Hello, I'm Paul Cuddehy and welcome to this special Read All About It podcast series, The 12 Days of Bookless. Do you see what I did there? And here's what you can look forward to. 12 days, 12 guests and a whole host of great book recommendations as each guest chooses their favourite fiction and non-fiction read of 2020. Well, I also choose a book I've enjoyed reading this year. So listen, enjoy, subscribe and spread the word about this special Read All About It podcast series. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the 12 Days of Bookmas, a special book podcast brought to you by Read All About It podcast. I'm delighted to be joined on this episode by Tammy Hoof, who is a writer whose debut novel, A More Perfect Union, came out just in the last month or two and has already garnered much praise, including from myself. Tammy, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Thank you, Paul, so much for having me on. Now, the last time when, when we spoke on the Read All About It podcast, the book was nearing publication. How has it been since the book's actually gone out into the world? Because, it, you know, I've read it. I absolutely love it. But I've seen lots of really positive response to your work. It has been a great experience for me as a new writer, as a debut writer. Having the world embrace your book is just such a thrill and such a joy because, you, you know, you, you put your heart and soul into this thing. Um, and then you just sort of cross your fingers and hope that somebody will like it. And when they do, it's really just such a thrill. Was that a nerve-wracking experience because, as you say, it was your debut novel and, you know, you, you obviously love it. You're so invested in it. But when it's, you can't predict how people are going to react to it. No, you can't. You can never predict how people are going to react. Um, and, yeah, I, I suppose it is a little bit nerve-wracking. But, I do, you know what, I did really believe in this book. And I, I do, I think for me, it was already such, such a positive experience having the publishers be so wholeheartedly behind it and and them believing in it that much that while it was a bit nerve-wracking it was also mostly it was exciting really just to I did hope that people would like it and um and it's good to see that they that they do because I spoke to someone else recently uh who is bringing out their first novel next year and the the premise of the the book it was just like the the kind of one sentence synopsis and and when I read that and I said that sounds amazing and it was the same thing when I first stumbled upon your book when I read that the kind of synopsis I think I said to you at the time that sounds that just sounds like the sort of book you want to read and it was so good to then read it and not only not be disappointed but it was I mean I think I got in touch with you at the time and saying I I think it's probably the best book the most enjoyable book for me that I've read this year. Oh thank you that's oh that's very very kind to say thank you I really appreciate it because especially for somebody who reads lots of books if you've only read three books (laughs) that's one thing but obviously as a book as a book man you will have read a few so that's really really kind thank you. The only thing is I hope that that other people know whose books I've read aren't listening to this. (laughs) I just say that to them as well. One of, one of, it's (laughs) it's one of. Well, the, the idea of, of these podcasts is just to kind of get people's recommendations, but also find out what your, your highlights of, of reading from 2020. Yeah. And obviously, it's, it's your favourite fiction book and your favourite non-fiction book. If we start with your favourite fiction book, and again, for people that maybe remember when they listened to your, your original <laughs> podcast, you find it difficult to pin it down to, to just one book. So you've actually chosen two fiction books, the first of which is The Nickel Boys by Colson Whitehead. Yes. I loved that book. It didn't come out this year, but I read it after he was announced to have won the 2020 Pulitzer. And I, I read it after that. And um, so I read it, I did read it this year. And it was amazing. I mean, it was absolutely fantastic. It was one of those things, 
I think I, I approach, I, I cheat in so many ways when you ask me these questions. And rather than picking one, I pick two. And then rather than having it be my favorite necessarily, I really more approach the question, what is the book that sort of sits with me and, and resonated longest with me? And so that's why I chose these two. That's a, a book, you read it and it won't let you go. And you spend days thinking about it afterwards because it's just so, of course, it's very well written. It's really well written. But also he just gets to, he just gets to you at a, at a level, at an emotional level that you just think, oh, he really grips you and, and doesn't let you go. And the story itself is quite amazing. And it's based on true facts. It's based on um, an actual, it, it's a story of a, a school, a, a reform school for boys and what happened there. Um, and it's based on an actual reform school for boys and what happened there. And that just makes the whole thing that much more devastating. Because I, I haven't read The Nickel Boys, but I, I read The Underground Railroad, which yeah. won the Pulitzer in 2017. And interestingly, I was, I was talking to someone on another podcast recently and I'd mentioned your book. And that was one of the books I referenced because there was bits in, in A More Perfect Union that reminded me of The Underground Railroad and Coltrane uh-huh. Whitehead as well. So, because obviously there are, there are links with some of the themes and things that are happening in, in your story as well. Yeah, there are some there are some similarities. There's some similar things going on. And I also I did read The Underground Railroad and loved that book um, as well. Although personally, I am not a great lover of magical realism, which does come into play in The Underground Railroad, but does not come into play in The Nickel Boys. And that might be why that book, The Nickel Boys, resonated even more with me than with than The Underground Railroad did, which I also loved. Because it is extraordinary the fact that those two novels both won. The Pulitzer yeah. one in 2017, did you say one this year, which I kind of suppose is testament to the quality of his writing. Yeah, exactly. The quality of his writing is very, he is very good. I mean, if you've read him, you know, he is very, very strong and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't sort of waste words. He places them so carefully and so well. He doesn't blow them up and, and you know, try to try to be this I don't know, try to seem as if he's trying, put it that way. Maybe that's part of it. It's like this effortless way he has of writing and the words just sit and they sit and they resonate and it just takes you somewhere. Really very good. Because when I was reading the synopsis for the Nickel Boys and as you say, it's set in one of the characters who I think is a university and ends up going to, you know, gets jailed because he, he, he's travelling without a ticket. Yeah, I think, on... yeah he's, in a, he's in a stolen car, the poor boy. He wants to get this education and he's actually in high school and he has this opportunity to go and take some courses at the local university, though he's only in school. And this is a great opportunity and it will, you know, it will just push him forward in a great way. And only he has this opportunity on all the school and he's walking and he gets a ride from somebody who is in a car and he picks him up. He's a long way to go. And so he's just getting a ride from this nice man who let him take a ride. And you think at first, oh, something's going to happen with the man, but it's not that something does happen. And it's that this, the car is stolen and they do get stopped by the police. And although he, the boy, is entirely innocent in the whole thing, he does wind up in this reform school being partially blamed for something that he didn't do. That's always, I always think that always fascinates me, just even in novels that just one moment and then somebody's life completely changes. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that fascinating? And it's, you know what, it's true in real life too. If you think about, you know, if you think about your life, my life, our lives, little moments change your life. You know, if you hadn't, I don't know, walked into the 
store that day and saw that person or if you hadn't come that day and applied to that one job that was the making of you know whatever it is if you think back in your life it is often those little moments that you don't see coming that really just put your life in a whole different direction the other fiction novel that you that you've chosen is a book called my dark vanessa by kate elizabeth russell and again what was it about that book that stayed with you yeah that one too that one was so disturbing really quite frankly that was such a disturbing read that when when i read it i thought i couldn't stop thinking about it for a while you know and, and i felt sympathy with the main character and at the same time i wanted to shake her <laughs> because it's it's a strange dark book um, about a girl who has this sexual relationship with his much older teacher her english teacher and in her mind for a long time she makes herself believe that this is this great love affair of her life, um, when actually it's pretty obvious to the reader that she's, you know, she's being uh, groomed and, um, and she's being you know, abused. And it's only later in her life when she has to sort of reckon with that, when this person is accused later, she has to, she has to reckon with what actually happened. And it's just fascinating to kind of be in the mind of someone who is so brainwashed in in many ways to think that what's happening isn't what's happening that it's something else and to and to think that somebody could explain away what you feel and and that you could believe that that you could go with you know what somebody is telling you is the case um it was just it was really disturbing to see i don't know that i've ever seen a book like that that deals with that from the victim's perspective and of course it makes you think of lolita um, which is the opposite side of that coin which is obviously told from the perspective of the groomer or the perpetrator, the male predator character, um, which is also a disturbing book in its own way and which this book references many times. Yeah, it was just a really disturbing read. Because I imagine, you know, particularly that subject matter, that you, you need to be particularly skillful as a writer to be able to, to handle that in, in a way that, you know, keeps readers captivated but not horrified and, you know, it doesn't veer into you know, any extremes that actually that's a difficult path to tread. Yeah, a very difficult path to tread. It, I think because it's not just, not just the horrification of the reader, but also just sympathy for the emotions of, you know, because there are actual real people in life who will have gone through that. And, and you want to be sensitive to real people out in the world who have these sort of experiences as a writer, I suppose. Um, but then also wanting to somehow capture those emotions and make it make it realistic because it it is quite a trick to to think you, walking into that you think how how could somebody allow themselves to be manipulated that way how could somebody not see that they are being manipulated and um, and she does a, I think she does a good job in showing how that could be you know obviously the, the standard things are the case that the person in question Vanessa doesn't have many friends and feels a bit outside of things and maybe doesn't have the strongest relationship at home and all of these sort of things these sort of traditional things um, come into play uh, but she she handles it very well um, and and it does it just it's not a pick-me-up book it's definitely a disturbing book but it's one that will sit with you when I asked you to, to choose your fiction choices, was that a difficult choice when you're having to look back on what you've read in the past year and then to try and pin it down to, to one or two? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It was. It was. I've read many. When you read books, I think I'm also, I really love 
what I'm reading. Uh, so if I'm, if I'm reading something and it's good, then I'm quite into it in the moment. And so to think through and, and to go back, how much did I love this compared to that? Because also I find I like books in different ways and for different moments. Um, there's some books that kind of lift you up and leave you with, with, with a very sort of warm and fuzzy feeling, which is sometimes, you know, probably this year is, is not a bad thing that you, you need books that, that leave you on a bit of a high. Um, and then there's some books that just you, you connect with because you have experienced something similar or you're from that region or whatever it is. Yeah, I, I connect with books in, in different ways. In the course of the podcast, I always end up recommending uh, a book that I've read and I've enjoyed this year, but also that I hope that, that you would enjoy. And the book that I've chosen is a book called The Sound of the Hours by Karen Campbell. Now, ironically enough, Karen's another guest on the 12 Days of Bookmas, and uh, I recommended your book to her. So I've decided to recommend <laughs> her, her uh, book to you. Oh, fantastic. fantastic. Well, I, I looked it up and it looks really, I looked it up and I thought, oh, this looks good. This looks interesting. So... That will definitely be one of my Christmas reads. She is a, she's a really great uh, Scottish writer, Karen, and she's written a whole different, she's written some crime books, and then she's, uh, she writes all sorts of different books. And this one is set towards the end of the Second World War. It starts and finishes in Scotland, but it's mainly set in Tuscany and, and round about the village of Barga, which is, I'm not sure if they advertise themselves as the most Scottish place in Italy. So there's real connections between <laughs> Scotland. So I think when a lot of Italians come over to Scotland, that was, it was from that area. It's hard, it's a love story between the, one, the main character who, who lives in the village and one of the American soldiers who's part of what I think would, would have been called the, the Buffalo Regiment, which is an all-black regiment of yeah. American soldiers. And they were the kind of in the front line of the American advance through Italy and trying to push back Mussolini's troops. So they, they fall in love and it's, that's at the heart of the story. But then it also deals with, obviously, with war, with prejudice that the, the soldier Frank has left behind in the United States then finds in Italy as well prejudice through, you know, against the suspicion of him being an American, of him being black, and obviously the fact that he then falls in love with, with a local girl. He talks about, you know, the politics and the relationships of, of what was happening in, in Italy, where there's still, still people who supported Mussolini and fascism, but it's, it's really, it's one of those books that you just, you start reading and you just really don't want to put down, and you become so invested in that relationship and what's happening, and even the way she's describing the various stages of war and, and some of the, the fights and the battles that take place, it's absolutely gripping. Do you know what? I also hats off to her for finding the World, World War II is a topic that has been written about so, so much. So hats off to find a new way to look at it and to, you know, to get into that era and discuss something that hasn't been talked about so much. I mean, that's really quite interesting because there is so much there. But we tend to focus on the same sort of general things, you know, the France and Germany and back and forth and these subjects that are important and interesting, but, but have been looked at so many times. So this actually also looked really interesting to me because though I have heard of the Buffalo Soldiers, it's not something that I've looked into deeply. And so, um, yeah, and, and the, the Italian front um, and all of that, that it just looked really, really interesting. So, yeah, well done, her. And I'll definitely be checking it out. Yeah, because I think that book and, you know, and even when I was thinking about your book as well, that, you know, they may be set in different uh, periods of history, but I felt they resonate, you know, particularly with what the United States has been going through now, you know, yeah. over the last four years, but certainly in the last year with the Black Lives Matter movement and everything that these things aren't in isolation. You, you have to take that thread right back, you know, and as you see, I think your novel is a, is a great way of, for people to try and kind of grasp that history of America that some of, you know, the country's still wrestling with. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The country is still dealing with it. And you're right. It is nothing should be taken in isolation because one mentality, the mentality that allowed the slavery is the mentality that had something like the Buffalo Soldiers where the troops were segregated, where they were also discriminated against. It's the mentality that has had many other faces in history popping up, but it is the same mentality right the way through. I, I think that probably takes us sort of seamlessly into your uh, non-fiction book, which again sounds absolutely fascinating. And it's a book called The Colour of Law by Richard Rothstein. And the subtitle of it is A Forgotten History of How Our Government Segregated America. It was fascinating. I, first of all, I have to say, I read a lot more fiction than non-fiction. But this book, yeah, this book is one that I will not soon forget um, because it, it talks about how the laws of America actually supported segregation, even after segregation was no longer officially the policy of America and how government policies created this kind of different life for white Americans and for black Americans that went down to everything from whether or not you, the things that we know about, we, sort of, we think of the segregation as sort of a choice, a, a racist choice, but a choice of the people. But actually what the book points out is that it was that, but it was also to large part the result of government policies and governmental law. And so we, it's not the situation that people are segregated in America because they choose to be segregated in America, but rather because the government policies have caused this to happen um, to great financial detriment to Black America, basically. And she has, uh, he, sorry, he has loads of examples that he pulls out and you just think, wow, this is just shocking examples that you think, this is amazing that this has happened and it's not something that's known, it's not something that's been picked up on. Just really quite shocking that, you know, all of this is happening and not that long ago. You know, we, we think about these things as happening way back, way back in the past, you know, in 1910, maybe this happened. But he pulls up situations that happened as early as the 70s. I think the, the word that, when I just read the synopsis of the book, and you said it a couple of times there, is shocking because probably from, you know, just an outside perspective, you're looking at it and, as you say, maybe you'll have an idea of, of what you think the reasons are for a segregated country. But then when you just even read the fact that the laws were boiled down to, in terms of, housing of uh, rewarding builders if they were building house, you know, trying to build white-only neighbourhoods and, th you know, really the minutiae of how people live. And you think that's almost calculated administration after administration and just adding to it. So you can see why it's so difficult for people yeah. to break free of that. The, the, the most shocking thing, well, one of, one of the many shocking things, I should say it that way for me, was even when you had people who were trying to be forward thinking um, and were trying to say, okay, well, we will have this integrated neighborhood. You had a situation where there was a governmental agency, the FHA, the Federal Housing um, Agency or Authority or something like that, who would back bank loans. They would have government-backed loans. And they refused to back a loan if the developer was going to have integrated development. And so they were forcing people, even people who were interested in being forward-thinking and trying to desegregate, they were forcing them to have these segregated developments because then the government wouldn't help with the finances, wouldn't back these loans. It was quite shocking, actually. Because actually, again, when I was just reading about the book, it reminded me, I don't know if you've seen the Netflix documentary, 13th. Yes. 
which apparently they they put out I think as a free view during you know in the aftermath of uh, George Floyd's murder and the, you know the explosion of of protests. Watching that documentary is it really is shocking. Yeah, it is shocking, and most that's another thing. I mean, we think that we know our history. We think that we know what the law says or the Constitution or the Thirteenth Amendment, but when you look into it, it is quite shocking how how much we don't know and how much has happened in our name, because of course the government is supposed to be functioning in the name of us, the people, right? But so much is happening in our name that we don't know about that I think most people would not approve of if they, you know, if they knew it was going on. Obviously I've asked you for your, your favorite reads of 2020, you know, a fast approach in 2021. Are you, are you one of those readers where you, you know what's coming next at your, your bedside table or are you constantly just People will recommend things to you and you're just choosing just at random, depending, as you mentioned already, how you feel. Do you know what? I have a, a very long to-be-read pile um, that I dip in and out of. I can tell you the book that I'm reading right now is uh, The Girl with a Louding Voice, which I am enjoying. I can't put it on here because I'm currently reading it. Um, very, very good. But yeah, no, I, I, I have an eclectic list to, that's coming. Um, things that people, a lot of things that people recommend are on my list. Personal recommendations go kind of to the top of the pile because I, I tend to trust them more. But also things that are, that are getting a lot of press that seem interesting or if I come across something that seems interesting. Yeah, I read, um, I read all sorts of things. New York Trilogy, that's another one. It's an old, old one, but uh, it's a crime fiction apparently i know nothing about it but i was handed this the day before yesterday and told you must 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 read this so um so yeah so there are all sorts of things on my on my tv red pile and obviously now that your, your book's out you know you you back into the swing of writing and, and working on your next project yes i am working on my next project. i'm not quite in the swing of writing i wouldn't say that i'm in the swing of researching <laughs> But I am definitely working, and a little bit of writing. Um, but yes, also working definitely on my on my next project, which is which is one of the reasons I had originally picked up the color of law because I thought, ooh, I think I probably need to read this for a bit of for a bit of background research. Um, and it was obviously fascinating, fascinating background research. But yes, the next project is in the works. Excellent. We'll look forward to that. Uh, given how much I enjoyed a more perfect union, because it was interesting when I talked about the sound of the hours. And there's so many different aspects to it. At the heart of that, and I think at the heart of yours, it's just, it's about the people. It's about, you become engaged with those characters. Because I'd said to someone, two things about your book. One, I was absolutely rooting for that love story and, and the hope that they would, they would get together. But the other, the other voice in the novel, which I thought was one of the saddest stories, and, you know, you built a character who, on the outside, is quite harsh and unlikable and isn't very friendly towards Sarah, who's the kind of main female character. But actually... As the novel unfolds, it's actually heartbreaking, her story. Yes, it is. It is heartbreaking because not everybody gets a happy ending, right? That it wouldn't really be a very realistic book. And the reality of the time is harsh and heartbreaking often. Um, and so I think that had to be reflected in the book. So yes, that is in there. Well, I hope that we've uh, given everybody a few recommendations. And as, as I said at the start, if, amongst those recommendations, then you should definitely read A More Perfect Union, uh, which is Tammy's wonderful debut novel. Tammy, thanks again. It's been lovely talking to you about books. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on again. It's great to have a chat again.
Thanks for listening to the 12 Days of Bookness, a special Read All About It podcast series that is so special it even has its own theme tune. You can subscribe to the podcast and leave a review which will help other book lovers find us. And I hope you can join me, Paul Cuddy, on the next episode. In the meantime, keep reading. Keep reading.